0: and welcome to the killer family business podcast where we help you to build a killer family business without killing your family. On this show I interview current generation and next generation entrepreneurs and family business owners as well as experts and thought leaders who can help us to scale through the generations. This podcast is brought to you by Successful Succession where we help family businesses with their succession planning. We work with current and next generation entrepreneurs to lead their businesses with advice, training and coaching. This podcast is for people who are in a family business who are thinking of developing their business into a family business and for people who are interested in taking over their family business. In this episode, I chat with Eric and Liz Lilla from Omaha about their gymnasium Metro Stars Gym and how they built that business from very, very humble beginnings together into the multi-center business that it is today. So Eric and Liz, thank you so much for joining us on the call. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you're currently doing. So what's your what's your family business right now?
1: Uh, we own Metro Stars Gymnastics in Omaha, Nebraska, USA. We have currently two locations and we'll be opening our third very soon. We serve uh, over 3,000 kids a week, uh, teaching them various gymnastics activities from girls gymnastics, boys gymnastics, t- trampling and tumbling, and of course, our preschoolers as well.
0: That's fantastic. And do the two of you have... Uh, a background in gymnastics, or uh, how did how did you get into that business in particular?
2: All right, so I was tricked into it, Stephen. And <laughs> what happened was is that Liz had actually coached gymnastics, um, had done, had, was a gymnast herself, and started coaching at the ripe old age of twelve um, in a facility in Omaha. And she did this all throughout college. And I had graduated from university and. She came to me one day holding a VHS cassette tape. And I'm like, what's this all about? She said, well, she goes, I have these kids and they're vaulting and and they're just not doing very well. So I took some video and I'm wondering if you would just take a look at it and see what you think. So, of course, yeah, absolutely. So she puts this video in and the first kid vaults and she's right. It's not very good. With next kid vaults, same deal. And she's like, do you see what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, you know, even to the untrained eye, this doesn't look very good. She goes, what? what's wrong with them? And I go, well, they run like trash. And she goes, okay. And I said, well, they just have terrible form. I said, they're, they're really good at flipping and doing other things, but they just don't run very well. And she's like, okay, well, how do I fix that? So I had done track and I played baseball and, and soccer and everything. And so I had some background in, in athletics and I said, well, they need to do some running drills so that they can you know perfect this their speed and power and everything else. And so I started explaining and she's like, well, you know what, just hold on. Why don't you just come into the gym and <laughs> you can go ahead and just show them yourself what they need to do? I'm like, oh, OK, I guess, you know, I'm like, what am I going to I'm not going to say no. Right. So I went into the gym and I ran some running drills with about 18 kids um, in small groups. And they were between, you know, probably like eight and 12 or 13. And I got done and I was like, OK, whew, uh, I'm done with that now. Well, I'm leaving and the head coach goes, hey, that was really great. Do you think maybe you could come back on Monday and do that again? And if I said no, I would have been lying and and I'm not a liar. So I said, yeah, sure, I I guess I can do that. Um, And so that was the like, I took the bait, Stephen. I took the bait and over time, I just sort of fell in love with um, working with the other with the kids, with the other coaches and and just really discovering the impact that that we could have on young people and the medium happened to be gymnastics but um again upon reflection that's really what it was all about fantastic
0: now i'm i'm guessing uh, when you went in with those uh, eight to twelve year olds the first cohort uh, you didn't go in and say you're running what was it you're running as trash you're you're really bad at flipping this is just God awful stuff. Now get it together. I'm, I'm presuming you put a lot of coaching. The two of you are very warm, caring people. Um, I am guessing you do a lot more, uh, uh constructive stuff than that.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of it was just, um, at the very beginning was teaching them the drill. So how do we, how are we working on our foot strike and how are we going, what's our posture going to be? What's our arm motion. And I know like, we had one um, gymnast um, who's who's a close friend of ours still. Her name's Allie T, and Allie T had a running style that um, we called stir the cake. So her right or left arm would just be out to the side like she was holding a wooden spoon, and then she would circulate it, you know, in this in this pattern that looked like she was stirring a mixing bowl as she ran. Clearly, that is not efficient for for someone to run at top speed. If if we watch the World Cup. I saw none of the fine gentlemen running with one arm out to the side, you know, with a <laughs> with a big pattern. So on
0: on that criteria, maybe if to the untrained eye, I could almost be a coach in your place. I didn't.
2: I'm telling you, it was it was like <laughs> yes, these were very beginning athletes, so it wasn't it wasn't too big of a deal.
0: So that was you guys were working in a, in a different gym in in somebody else's gym when in, in, in college, and then you guys decided we don't see each other enough. We should work and live together.
1: Oh, that's where Eric tricked me. Um, so this is all built on a series of um, bait and switch. But um, when I was in college, I was on an internship of sorts in Oklahoma and Eric had applied to graduate school for engineering. We had both been coaching for uh, uh, probably two years at that point um, together. And he, call- he was supposed to be leaving for this graduate school. And he called me about a month before he was supposed to leave and he said, hey, I, I decided I'm not going. And I was like, um, no, um, why? And he said, I-, I have a different plan. And I said, oh, okay, and-, and what would that plan be? And he said, we're gonna open a gym. And I, I, I laughed and I said, I, I think you've lost it. Um, that's not the plan. The plan is graduate school. I said, no, I, I really think this is what we should do. And I said, well, okay, sounds good. Um, and I had no idea. I, I kind of thought I was just trying to be encouraging at the time and that he would eventually change his mind and go to graduate school. That's but
0: on C sense. He would see sense at some point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because my view of owning a gym was very um, stressful. It was the example that I had seen was that they kind of barely made it and that this wasn't a viable career. It was more of a mm-hmm. hobby that you made a lot of sacrifices just to do your hobby. So I was very concerned at that time that our hobby could actually turn into a career and a path forward for us.
2: So the fun so part I'm, about I'm, a family business, Stephen, is is that sometimes um, people remember things slightly differently. <laughs> um, so
0: no, my way is right. I, th- I, I Well, I, I think that's the fun part of a marriage. Indeed, in opinion, indeed <laughs> but, it is. So uh, yeah,
2: go on. Actually, so the very first part of this was I just wanted to work in a gym. And so my call was, hey, I think I just want to coach gymnastics. And the entrepreneurial part of that came out of necessity because I hadn't been coaching very long. I wasn't a gymnast. And so there's a there's a stigma within the industry that if you didn't do it, it's impossible that you could be uh, Mm -hmm. you could coach it at all. Right. And as you and I know, every heart surgeon I ever met, none of them did heart surgery as children. Um, And that is true of almost every single profession that exists. (laughs) Um, And so essentially, um, and she said the same thing, like, well, I kind of want to coach gymnastics too. Um, and she was finishing up a doctorate in occupational therapy at the time. And, and what happened was, is that we realized very quickly, there wasn't going to be a chance for us to have a full-time jobs coaching. And since there wasn't going to be one, our, it was going to be up to us. We were going to have to make that happen.
0: Both sides of those stories seem to align pretty well. It's just whether whether we're assigning credit or blame I'm not sure yet but I mean that's a conversation for you guys to have later on so you went from there to to saying okay uh new plan is this new new plan is we're going to coach okay in order to coach we're going to have to find somebody who's going to hire us the only people who are crazy enough to hire us are ourselves so we're going to have to build something ourselves walk me through or walk us through The first gym, how that got set up and and what kind of hoops you had to jump through, if you'll excuse the gymnastics pun.
2: Absolutely. So the funny part is, is that um, all of this is like um, just coincidence and happenstance. So really what happened to us was, is we got a phone call from a different club owner in town in Omaha and that club owner had received an offer to coach college gymnastics and was very excited to start that position. And so he had heard that Liz and I were interested in owning a club. And so actually step one of this, we were gonna buy this gymnastics club from him. Um, And we actually went, we had a meeting, he had a boat. We had a meeting on his boat, okay? And we asked him the dumbest questions (laughs) (laughs) that you could ask because we didn't know anything about running a a business, right? We were, we were, Mm -hmm. we could coach the kids I could we we had customer service experience, but the nuts and bolts of actually running a business, um, we we had no idea. So we had our our first, our very first plan was um, to go ahead and buy this gym. Unfortunately, that fell through. Um, we kind of didn't hear anything. Um, and just for context, Liz was like eight months pregnant with our oldest daughter at the time. And, okay. and this was going to happen very quickly. And we're like, oh, my gosh, like all our dreams could come true. We'll have a baby and a gym. And this is going to be amazing, right? Um, well, he sort of disappeared. There is, on us. There
0: is zero downside to this
2: situation. Right? It was <laughs> going
1: to be great. <laughs> Everything works out. Right it now. does.
2: So then what happened was is that he didn't um, we didn't hear anything from him. So I called him. I said, hey, what's going on? And he goes, well, he goes, they rescinded the job offer. and We're like, oh, well, why? This gentleman never had finished his college degree. And the college said it's disingenuous for us to have a, a, a professional coach here that doesn't have their degree. So he was going to go back to school and do that. Well, so in the meantime, basically, that was the rug felt like it was pulled out from under us. So mm-hmm. what do you do um, as a as a baby entrepreneur? You do your first pivot, right? So.
1: So we we had this genius plan that we were going to like rent space out of a church or uh, an apartment complex even we thought if we could just find like an open room that we could teach classes in it and so we made all these phone calls and none of that other people did not see our vision for sure um and so (laughs) we had to figure out okay We at that point we decided we really want to do this like this is happening and so then it was just a matter of how not if and we decided to um rent some space so we started looking around we found a little like a a strip mall space that was 1200 square feet total um that we could rent, and we signed this lease very scared. Hang
0: on, 1,200 square feet, I'm putting that in, that's tiny.
1: Oh, yeah, it's like just a little room. Um, Okay. And we had to do all the interior, like we needed to put a wall up, and we had to redo some bathrooms, and um, and so we did that on our own, just figured it out. We had some really great friends who stepped in and helped us, and supported us through that time. And so we decided this was the way to go. And we got a, a logo, that um, very first uh, business logo, of course, and of course got some hoodies and some t-shirts and we thought we were off to the races. And when we opened that space, we had five people enroll. Um, <laughs> and it was a little terrifying because mm-hmm. that was not what we expected. We um, thought we'd have at least fifty, and when we got to five, we realized we had some work to do.
0: But things have things have uh, things have definitely grown since then. Um, so from those early days of the five, and just to for clarity, when you had finished, when you'd opened, you had those five. Uh, was the first child already here or still on the way? How quick was that process?
1: So Katie was born in August. We became an official uh, company or licensed our business in November. October. October, I'm told, sorry. (laughs) Um, That's why we do this together. Um, October. (laughs) And then we held our first classes in January. So Katie was about six months old. Um, I do remember celebrating Christmas Eve and Christmas. We were at the gym um mm-hmm. painting fixing
0: and, it up and yeah.
1: mm-hmm, yep doing various tasks um anticipating our open in january
0: uh so but things have moved uh significantly obviously when when was that how long ago was that how old is katie now
1: so katie is 16 so the, 16. the gym is celebrating its sweet 16 this year
0: very good so you've gone from 1200 square foot one facility to you said just about to open your third facility that's so right you look so like you're, you're you're verifying that information i'm adding science, this up right? for you
2: um just for yeah. context here so we will be in a total of sixty-six thousand eight hundred square feet um give or take which i'm gonna call seven thousand four hundred square
0: meters okay Is that, very good does that sound big so and that's that that sounds very okay big. Good. Sounds <laughs> very <laughs> very <laughs> big. don't you worry um so that's but that's split between the three centers that's That's correct yeah that's between all three um but i mean then you you went on to your you're opening your larger place then your second place uh and now you're you're building your third um and the family has also grown with the the number of gyms or more so
2: yeah so what we've done is um We've every time we expanded the gym, we had a baby. Um, at some point, we cut (laughs) that off because it was going to get a little nuts. But, um, when we moved from the the first small space, um, into uh, kind of where things look like a proper gymnastics facility, um, that's when Juliet was born, um, which would have been August Mm -hmm. of 2008. And then, um, and then we did an expansion there. The build, we were very um, fortunate in that the space next to us never leased out at that building. And so we were able to just sort of um, just knock a wall down and, and grow into that. And that's when Samantha was born. And then um, when Charlie was born, um, I guess we just moved homes. We sold our house and moved to a new house when Charlie was born, like, like, like weeks after he was born, we bought the Mm -hmm. house. So um, we always try to to And then, we, oh, yeah, we probably knocked down the last wall because there was one more bay that was available inside that original. Or the Some people think that's the original, but the, 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 we call it the La Vista space.
0: So, yeah. I, that's phenomenal. So you've grown the business in terms of locations and size. You've grown the family in terms of positions as well. But you've also grown a team. Now you, um, so we're on the podcast, so people aren't able to see uh, the hoodie. Uh, I was actually going to wear my hoodie because I'm probably the only European, probably the only Irishman that has a Metro Stars hoodie. Um, and that was, I, I remember getting that text message. when I, I was buying it online thinking it was going to be a, a third party fulfillment thing and it was going to be a surprise. But you said they came in thinking there was some kind of a scam <laughs> in the office.
1: Yes, it, was, it came to my email and then somebody he said to me, uh, we have an order from Ireland. Is that right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but your, your logo, I know you have a really interesting uh, cultural thing, a company culture thing you do with the logo with your employees uh, if they show their appreciation for it. So tell, tell me a little bit about that because I love this too.
1: So actually what's awesome is this sprouted um, very organically. An employee of ours said, hey, I want to uh, praise our staff for showing our core values. So we have five core values and there's five points on a star. And so originally they took a piece of string and they uh, used push pins in the wall, and they created a star out of string. And then when somebody did something that demonstrated one of our core values, they would write it on a sticky note and put it on the point of the star that corresponded with our core value. Well, over time, this became um, more and more... um, ingrained in all of our staff, and we called it giving high fives. And so anytime someone does something that demonstrates a core value, we give them a high five. It's now evolved into an actual sign um, that's magnetic, and we have little high five uh, papers that we write on, and um, they can earn then um, various snacks and things from earning their high fives. But it was just really cool to see how it was an employee who really embraced that and then brought it to everybody. And now it's part of our program at all three locations.
2: And if you're curious, here's the really funny part. So I did a course at INSEAD um, earlier, well, I guess it was last year now in 2022. And one of the things we talked about was measuring culture because um, the, the deal is, is that you, culture's there, we know it's there, but it's, it's like the wind, right? Like you can't see it, you can't grab it, but you do know that it's there. And one of the really interesting takeaways was, was this culture mapping. And what we realized was, is that doing these high fives was actually mapping culture and showing us how people showed up, how the culture showed up in our company. It also showed up, we can look at like what core values aren't being recognized by staff. And is that because they're not there or is it because we are not defining it correctly? And it allows us, it gives us data in order to really drive culture.
0: So I I think all of this is absolutely fantastic. And Eric, you've told me about this a lot at at a course that we did in in, uh, EMP and MIT. Uh, And I think all of this is really phenomenal. And it's a way of instilling the family values. Like it's a family business, but unless you are producing at a rate akin to Dallas in the 80s, you're not gonna have enough kids to actually run this empire. No, so instilling all of those values is a really, really important part of it, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, it's been, uh, we, we've really enjoyed
2: that. And like I said, it's what's what it's helped us do is to really, um, I, I preach this when we do our, our big uh, annual meeting, but what we're looking for from customers our and our team is we wanna find people who believe what we believe. And when we do that, the skill sets don't really matter. You know, the personalities don't matter. The, um, the you know, race, gender, it, none of it matters because we just are looking for people who believe what we believe. And when we find that, we all have a wonderful
0: time together. That's phenomenal. And do I remember a story of uh, one of your uh, staff being so committed to the to the brand that they actually got it inked onto their body?
1: So, we have a uh, Metro Stars tattoo program, and Uh uh, Eric will actually pay for your tattoo if you have it put in our logo, if it's our logo. And he'll take you to lunch, too. So, that was really um, so. We've had two employees who have embraced the Metro Stars tattoo program.
0: I mean, for me, that's, that's phenomenal. It speaks so much to the culture. It's also a little bit off the wall, which I love as well. So, <laughs> so talk to me about, so you the four kids and I'm, I'm honored to have met them when you, before the world fell apart, before the pandemic, uh, you guys were over in Dublin and you hung out with my family and we had a great time. Um, how were they involved in the business or are they involved in the business?
2: Um, Well, it varies. It's like, um, let's call it depends on the season. So, um, Uh for example, during the pandemic, that was where everybody um, really got involved because we had to again, we were shut down. We weren't able to hold any classes. Um, We were committed to maintaining our, our full time staff on the payroll. And so we needed things for people to do. Um, and so one of those things was, is how can we teach gymnastics virtually? Um, and can we do this long-term? Uh, you know, We haven't cracked that code uh, to be quite, quite, quite fair, but for that, for that interim period, there was an opportunity to do that. Well, what we needed was, is we needed some models um, that we could have come and do the class. So we've all seen fitness videos from the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. right? Billy Blanks doesn't just, the, the Tybo guy, doesn't just do the workout by himself. He's got like a, a little team of experts with him. And so our kids would come and be that team of experts in the background while Liz or other coaches taught the courses. Um, and so it was really good for them to see because, again, their kids are perceptive, right? So they could understand the stress like in the household and and what was going on. They're they all they were all large enough to like read the news and understand. And so for them, it was a way to be involved and pitch in and and really contribute to what it was that we were doing and we were really grateful to have them because we, they were at that time right we didn't want any families like co-mingling or anything like that so we couldn't mm-hmm. go sometimes we'd steal other kids right that were the right age or something like that
0: we you, couldn't you, do that you would, so. you, you would allow other kids to join please please don't say on the podcast no no i'm saying kids.
2: we wouldn't we, <laughs> we wouldn't allow that what i'm saying is so so we were very fortunate that we had so many of our own children that happened to be the right age also that we could employ mm-hmm. and and put into that into that level. Um and so that's been that's been really fun. And the thing is is actually right now is where they're getting old enough to really be involved. Like um Charlie, so my youngest is um Charlie, he's nine. He we can't have we're not we are not going to have him coach classes. We're not gonna have him do a bunch of stuff. But he actually is my paper shredder. So like when he's looking for some pocket money, mm-hmm. um I'll be like, hey every time the shredder gets full, it's five bucks. And so he'll go downstairs and try to overheat that thing, you know, so that he can make some money. Um, And
1: When when Katie was um, probably about five, she would um, address envelopes because she was learning how to write. And so some of our people would get some very interesting looking letters um, that would be addressed by our (laughs) five-year-old.
2: So one of our things, so our kids' first jobs have not been at the gym. We actually are are proponents of them working somewhere else um, for two yep. reasons. One, um, I think that there's an opportunity for a sense of entitlement if they just come in there and they're like, this is my dad's building and this is my mom's gym. You know, We don't want, we certainly don't want that. And I don't think they behave that way, but we don't even want to open that door. Um, mm-hmm. And two, we don't want to create a strange situation for our leadership team that they're having to like discipline and hold our children accountable um, right Mm -hmm. out of the gate with them never having had a job before so actually katie worked a year and a half almost two years at mcdonald's um Mm -hmm. and and she is actually getting to the point now where we're talking about um there might be some opportunities for her to do some coaching at the gym Mm -hmm. and then um juliette has actually been working as a uh, as a soccer referee um for going on two years so it's good for them to cut their teeth, have a little responsibility, report to some adults that they don't like know intimately or didn't change their diapers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that way, when they do come into um, doing some coaching and things, um, they have a little perspective and are able to behave themselves and not need quite so much guidance.
0: I love that. I remember seeing online uh, on Facebook years ago when uh, Katie started working in McDonald's and you were talking about exactly this. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. Uh, about getting some external development for her before there was even the talk of coming in and having a proper job or having proper responsibility in the family business, I really liked it. I
2: think it's going to go. I think it's going to go well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing that I and I mentioned this before that we were you guys were all over in Dublin uh, on holiday. You do an awful lot of traveling. You well, obviously the pandemic has uh, put a, a kind of a pause on that for a bit. But you guys went. On masse all six of you and were very intentional about the downtime that you have like you're away from your business but you're with the family you're with the kids and you're all from what I've seen you've always been very intentional about where you're going and what you're doing what you're you're doing productive holiday time and, and time together uh, is that something that is continuing as the kids are getting older or uh, is that getting more challenging
1: It's definitely getting more challenging because as the kids get older, they're more involved in activities and it's a little (laughs) harder uh, to take an extended holiday. So the first time we did that, we went to Germany for six weeks and uh, we took the kids out of school and off we went. Uh, Now when we start talking five, six weeks, uh, we get some protesting uh, from especially our teenagers because they don't Mm want to miss things that are important in their lives. So we've shifted a little bit. We still um, last year we went to Greece with all six of us um, very last minute just because we realized we had all had a week off. So about three weeks before we realized that this week was off, we booked tickets to Athens and just went. Um, and then the other thing that we've been able to do is more one-on-one trips. And so Eric took um, Juliet to France as part of a another trip that he was going on. And then he also took Katie to Singapore and uh, Charlie and I head to Iceland next month for a one-on-one trip.
0: Phenomenal.
2: So the intention is, you know, again, I think... I think it's Jesse Itzler maybe, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. by the time your kids graduate from high school, you've spent 90% of the time that you're going to spend with them. And when I heard that, it was really a kick in the teeth for me. Like, oh, that's horrible, right? Um, so how can we spike that? And how can we create like just unbreakable bonds with our children? And so some of that is when we do some some of this uh, traveling as a group, right? Because we, we make these incredible memories. And then as Liz said, um, we've been intentional about taking the kids one on one just to new places so that they can experience culture and we can have that that time together. and and that's been it's been incredible. You know, uh, I, as Liz mentioned, I took Katie to Singapore and we went to Cambodia, and we had a once in a lifetime experience. And the thing that's always occurs to me is that I don't know what their lives are going to be like, right? When they grow up, i don't I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if this is going to be an opportunity that they have. Um, but we have been blessed um, to have, you know a team behind us that affords us um the resources um to go and do these things and so by gosh we're gonna take them um mm-hmm. i have we've talked about this before sometimes there can be some guilt right associated with like oh i'm doing this thing and other people don't get to and, and we've talked about this that um actually i'd be mad at people if they have these opportunities and they put them on the back burner because of guilt, that really, I don't like that. So um, you hmm. gotta you gotta grab life by the horns and, and take advantage because tomorrow's never promised, you know?
0: I, I love that, That's uh, I, I love that perspective on, especially that thing of the, the entrepreneur guilt as well of like, I, I have a team. What I, my initial thing when you said that is you have a great team of people and it's a testament to the culture that you've built that you're able to do these things and they're able to do these things as well, which is uh, amazing. Um so tell me so you guys have been working together for 16 years um as as long as uh your eldest has been around um how do you decide who does what how do you divvy up the the roles and responsibilities i mean you're both you're both the entrepreneurs you're both running the operation um what's the what what does it look like for you guys I don't know. well i think so <laughs> starting out again It's
2: all evolved. Right. And whats I always tell people, like, if you gave me what I have today at the very beginning, I would ruin it. Right. Like there's no way that we would have had the savvy right to do what we're doing because it's just grown. And I think the first thing is we both have a mindset of continuous improvement. So when we started out. um, We I didn't want to spend any money on like a database. So I was using an Excel spreadsheet. I was using pivot tables. Liz would inadvertently break it like constantly. All the time. Be- all the time. And it wasn't like it was just, but that was what we were using because it was free. So I think the, the very first natural division came down on the financial side. And so for, for me, that's something I've always really, really, really enjoyed. And it's something that I've always been really, um, really good at. And so I think from the beginning, that was my thing. Um, and from the beginning also, sort of the curriculum planning. So with her doctorate in occupational therapy, um, that, that's part of you know the education that she has is around um, education, learning, learning modalities. Um, and so all of that naturally kind of fell to her. So there's just some natural gifts, right? That's where I think we started with the division of labor is like, where do your natural gifts and interests lie? And, and that's where we began.
1: I, you know, I see it a lot like parenting. Because when you are parenting a child, you naturally kind of lean toward your interest areas and teaching the child things that you loved as a child or as a teenager. And
0: then, uh, and therefore they should
1: too. That's right. Force Correct, them into yes. it, of course. <laughs> um, but I think also just the idea of like the, the good cop, bad cop, right? Like sometimes... Um, I have to be the disciplinarian, and sometimes Eric is, and and sometimes I get to go be fun mom and do some crazy things, and Eric's doing, you know, uh, cleaning the kitchen um, because I'm off doing things with the kids, and that naturally went into our business as well. There, mm-hmm. there are times that you know I need to lead and take the initiative on a project, and so I do, and and Eric plays a supportive role. And then that flip-flops the next time we have something just because Eric takes the lead and he's he's ready for that. So I, I think there's so many parallels between our partnership as parents and also our partnership as business owners.
2: And I think as we grew, um, I remember when we, we brought in our first full-time employee and it was one of those things where we were doing um, I, I would say I was kind of running the um, if you think of it as a restaurant, I was sort of the um, running the front of the house, so hospitality, mm-hmm. so we call it guest services, um, all of the billing and finance and all of that. And Liz was sort of um, making the food, so to speak. So she was running the the back of the house with where we had all the coaches and the gymnasts that were learning skills and and that was kind of the division. Well, what happened was is both of those became, um, too much um, for the two of us. We ran out of bandwidth. And, and this was where we came to a crossroads of like, okay, where do we, um, where do we get rid of something? And so we were both, um, I was coaching also. Again, it was we were very small. And we realized that we had a group of athletes that was really consuming most of our time. And we felt like we could probably find a really good coach to, to be a steward of that program. Easier than we could find an operations or a business management sort of person. And so that was our first full-time hire. Now, I'll tell you what, Stephen, that was really difficult for me. I am a, I am a, a school guy. And what I mean by that is like, uh, really, I had really strong grades, you know, all throughout school. If I was in a group project um, with you and two other mates, I would have told you guys to just, I'll just do the whole project. Don't worry about it.
0: And I, I would have been happy to be on your
2: team. <laughs> there you go. Um, unfortunately, in business, um, if you want to scale anything to any sort of size, um, we both know that is not a viable method of doing so. Mm-hmm. And so it took a lot of like personal reflection, even now, like delegating things like I'm very blessed in that I have a team that I trust and and they trust me. And so when I when things when things get you know delegated. I know that they're in good hands and they're gonna get taken care of in a way that I want them taken care of. And that is like a big weight off my shoulders to then go and, and forge new paths and, and do visionary type stuff. So um, so I think what's happened though in the evolution is, is that um, using sort of an EOS model, we have sort of a visionary integrator sort of relationship, Liz and I. So I come up with um, like whatever the wild thing we're gonna do
1: next. And I secretly panic because of all the steps I know that have to be taken in order for that vision to come true.
2: Yeah, and I know that I'm in tr- I know that I'm onto a good idea when she gets quiet, right? So if, if, if there's a, if there's sort of any sort of argument or pushback, um, usually I'm like, okay, this probably isn't like a great a great path forward. But when she gets quiet, what she's she's thinking about, how am I going to make this happen because this is a good
0: idea?
1: <laughs> True.
0: So that's my Story. that's my litmus test of like if I'm onto something or not. I I find if if I say something and my wife goes t- quiet, it's actually I'm I'm in trouble somehow. <laughs> but that's I, I can see how that uh, I can see how that goes together.
1: Usually, if it's a bad idea, I panic right away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we are gonna link up to uh, your website and all of your stuff uh, in the show notes. But in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go?
2: Um, well, you can uh, hit us both up on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Lilla, Elizabeth Lilla, and and we're friends with you, Stephen. So then uh, they can just they'll have a they'll be at least a second order connection right away, right? um i encourage everybody to reach out if they have any questions uh that they'd like to chat about further please feel free and the, and
0: the website for the gym is uh it's metrostarsgym.com perfect eric liz thank you so much for your time. I uh, looking forward to seeing you somewhere now that the world is open properly back up. Now I, I, I know you have the new thing of the summit seekers uh, and the new business for helping people to, to climb mountains, f- actually physically climb mountains. Uh, I'm more of a drive up the mountain kind of guy, but uh, I can meet you up there and, and have a coffee. Or I'm something.
2: not a gatekeeper. So however, as long as as long as we're up there together, I think that's a win.
1: The, the great Perfect. thing, too, is that there's a lot of summits that aren't actually that high. So, um, like, we can go to the top of Florida. It's pretty easy.
0: I, I live in Ireland. Our, our, our mountain is a hill. So, um, <laughs> guys, thank you so much and hope to talk to you soon. Awesome. Cheers. Thank Thanks, you. Steven. Thank you to my guests, Eric and Liz Lilla, for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I'll link up their details in the show notes below. But remember, you can find them on metrostarsgym.com as well. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite platforms to make sure you never miss an episode. If you have any thoughts or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by visiting www.killerfamilybusinesspodcast.com. I look forward to speaking with you.